Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 13. Me and Moore stepped into her walk-in closet. But instead of shoes and bags, it was filled with handguns and choppers. She felt the presence behind her and turned to see Fly. His lean frame was covered in tattoos, and he gave her a sexy grin as he walked up on her. He has a mom who has a closet full of guns, she said. I'm going to ruin my baby. Nah, ma, Fly replied as he pulled her close, pulling her into him. You're good. He's good. I'm going to make sure of that. Me and Morix held deeply. She wished that his words held as much weight as he would like them to, but the truth was, they didn't. The only man she had ever sought approval from was Carter Jones, and Fly was a far cry in comparison. Every part of her wanted to fly to Colorado and get her man, but Carter had been clear. He's not fucking with me, she thought. Carter's rejection stung, but she had a man in front of her who wanted her. He had literally done the impossible just to be with her when he killed Baraka. He had returned CJ to her, making her feel forever indebted to him. That alone made her feel like she was obligated to give him a chance. He wanted to be her man, and in fact, he was a good man. He just wasn't Carter. No one ever will be, she thought, as she half-heartedly hugged Fly. He noticed her lack of enthusiasm. In fact, he had noticed it ever since she had reconnected with Carter. He stepped back. You aight? She nodded. I'm fine. I'm not Carter. All I can do is be me, Mia Moore, he stated knowingly. That's all you need to be, she reassured him. I've got the money, the power, but I can't compete with history. If you're going to run back to that man, do it now. Don't be here doing this with me and then one day I look up and you're gone, Fly stated. I'm here. I'm with you, she stated. Alright, he said as he kissed her lips. I gotta hit the blocks, but I could drop little homie off at school if you want, he offered. This is why she appreciated him. Fly was great with CJ. He was attentive and went above and beyond to connect with her son. She nodded. You're good with him, she said with a smile. Yeah, cause you know, hey, I'm on my way to go and uh sell some pills or buy some pills or deal some pills or deal drugs. You know, something that the feds can pick me up for. Do you want me to drop little CJ off at school? Before I go to deal the drugs, they're going to be in the trunk. Do you want me to, you know, drop him off? 
at, at, at elementary school, you know, have them hopping out of a, a roadster looking real fly cops, arrest them, hold them as a witness. They did it to Zaire. <sighs> I could be good with another one too. He said her brow raised in shock. I want a baby, me and more, and I want her to look like you, he said as he boldly palmed the V between her legs. Alright, so, um, at some point we're really going to have to confront some men's infatuation with their daughters looking like their moms. And looking like, I don't, I don't know, like a source of attraction, like beauty. I mean, you want your kids to be beautiful, period, yes, but some guys really do take it like, it's weird. It's a thing. He had honestly caught her off guard and she didn't know how to respond. She couldn't see herself having children by any other man than Carter. She had never even wanted children. She had made an exception for him. She couldn't commit the same to fly. Her mouth fell open to satisfaction as Fly Boogie got on his knees and pulled her satin panties to the side, placing his face right in her pleasure. This is my pussy, Mia Moore. Obviously, it's not. Like, 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 not even leasing it. Like, you don't even borrow it. Like, every time you've gotten it, it's been on the art of surprise. Like, the first time you got it, it was like, oh, you're in tears facing pussy. Like, this is not yours. And she's lit. You know this. Like, dude, stop deluding yourself. This is my pussy, Mia Moore. Can't nobody make it feel as good as me. He mumbled as he ate a full course of her, bringing her to her earth-shattering orgasm right there in her closet. Fly may not have been her soulmate, but he knew exactly how to please her. God, that tongue is golden, she thought as she used her blood-red fingertip to wipe herself off his lips. He wasn't good enough to put a baby in her, but he was good enough to keep making her scream while he tried. She made a mental note to get on birth control. She wouldn't insult him by asking him to strap up, but having another child wasn't on the agenda, at least not for her. He's going to find out she's on birth control. He's going to switch out her birth control for like Pez. I don't fucking know. Um, she's going to get pregnant. He's going to get killed. She's going to get back with Carter. They're going to have Fly's baby running around. Maybe they'll call it Larva. CJ rode in the car. Silent as he watched the L.A. streets fly by in a blur outside of his window. After being away from home for so long, it felt odd to be back. You quiet over there, little homie. You good? Fly asked as he maneuvered the car through the busy streets. Yeah, I'm good, CJ said, poking out his bird chest. He liked riding with Fly. Fly treated him like he was his right-hand man. You ready for your first day? Fly asked. So you're taking CJ to school for his first day of school and Mia Moore didn't want to be a part of that? Like, this is right after he got back from being kidnapped. Mia Moore wants no part of taking him to his first day of school. Word, all these first day of school pictures I see of these kids and you don't think she wants you. Okay. Not really, CJ said. It's the middle of the year. Everybody already has their crew picked out. You worried about fitting in, huh? Fly said. Not wanting to seem like he was pressed, the young CJ said, Nah, I don't care. I'm just saying. Everybody already got their crew. He kept his chin up, but Fly could tell by the look in his eyes that CJ was nervous. Look, you on what? Third grade, little homie? Elementary school is simple. Whoever has the freshest gear gets the most girls and has the most friends, Fly said. 
Simple as that. Oh yeah? CJ asked, intrigued. Most definitely, Fly confirmed. But first, we gotta get you out of them button-ups and schoolboy slacks your mama got you in. How about we play hooky today? What the fuck, nigga? Third grade, first day. Okay. I'll upgrade your clothes and you can spin through the hood with me today. Sound good? Does not sound good. Does not. Yeah, that sounds good, CJ said excited. Fly turned the car around and headed for Compton. Now, when I say that, Compton is no longer in uh, the place that it used to be. But it's still Compton. Like, it's still, the name still rings bells throughout the country, if not the world. So I'm sure that's what they wanted to happen. I'm sure this isn't going to turn out very well because I'm sure there's still people who are still looking for Fly because Fly fucking murdered Baraka. But, you know, you ever held a gun, big man? He asked, what the fuck are you doing, Fly? He's a third grader. Oh my God, this is why you're not parent material. You're not even big homie material. This is like them niggas on um, fucking Menace to Society. Let the little nigga get a drink. You, that's where you are. You're on that level. You ever held a gun before? Parnell was cool. He let me hold guns when nobody else would even let me touch one because I was fucking nine. No, CJ answered. Well, there's a first time for everything, Fly said as he reached under his seat and placed a gun in CJ's lap. Hold on to that for me. That's for you. You riding through the hood with me means you my right hand man. Can you handle that? CJ picked up the gun, the weight of it feeling heavy in his hands. He turned it sideways and pointed it at Fly. Like this? Fly snatched the gun from CJ. Never point a gun at me, CJ. Never. Which means CJ's going to be the one to shoot Fly, because why not? He placed it back on the boy's lap. Now pick it up. Hold it straight. Finger out the trigger. Only time you put your finger on the trigger is if you're ready to shoot something. You understand? Fly asked. Yes, sir, CJ replied. Chillin' that sir shit. Say that for your old ass daddy, Fly said slyly. Now wrap your hand around the handle and place your free hand underneath for support. CJ did as he was told, but his hand shook, showing that he was intimidated. You scared? What you scared of? You the one with the gun. You the man as long as you got that, Fly said. You see that red dot on the side? CJ nodded. That's the safety. Red means dead. That's all you have to remember. You see red and it's ready to fire, Fly said. Now flip the safety and keep that on you for a little bit. So you gave him the gun without the safety being on. Okay. Carter's going to kill you. The longer you hold it, the more comfortable you'll get with it. Fly pulled up to a house in the middle of Compton and parked on the street. I won't be long. Stay in the car. Keep your eyes open, little man. CJ watched Fly until he disappeared inside. His eyes scanned the block while gripping the gun in his hand. His heart was beating so fast that it felt like it would beat out of his chest. Excitement and anxiety had his head on a swivel as he surveyed everything moving around him. He was so ready to prove himself that he would have popped off on anyone who walked by. Luckily, it was early morning and nothing on the block was moving, beside the early morning fiends who were out the score ahead. CJ had never even been on this side of town. He was born in a privilege. He had no idea about the way the other side lived. Being in Compton was like being in a ghost town. He wouldn't admit it, but he didn't like it. 
After what felt like forever, Fly came back out, carrying a book bag. He slid into the driver's seat and passed the bag to CJ. What's inside? CJ asked. Open it up, Fly said. CJ opened the book bag, and inside lay thousands of pills. From Xanax to Percocet to Adderall, the colors popped out at him. Each prescription was in a different clear Ziploc bag. That's a quarter million dollars in your hand, little homie, Fly said. It looks like candy, CJ said. This dumb motherfucker. Not CJ. Fly. Just terrible. This is you terrible. You want to have a kid. Terrible. Tragic. It's nothing like candy. You never use the shit you sell. That shit will fuck your head up, Fly warned. CJ was intrigued by the fact that every single pill inside the bag was worth cash money. If there was one thing he had inherited from his father, it was a love for the flip. Hustling was in his jeans. Fly saw the look in the young boy's eyes and he grabbed the backpack and placed it in the back seat. Now put your seatbelt back on. Let's get you fresh. Fly Boogie pulled in front of the shoe store and parked curbside. He pulled out a wad of money and peeled off ten crispy hundred dollar bills. He handed them to CJ. This is enough to buy whatever you want, Fly said casually. Put your money in your pocket. Never let another nigga count your pockets. CJ nodded. He was soaking up every word that Fly said. They hopped out and walked into the store. Hey, Fly, one of the sales girls greeted him. He was a sneakerhead and would come through and easily clear out the store. They knew him well, especially the pretty young girls in the store. This your son? the girl asked. This my little homie, Fly introduced, trying to get him out of this schoolboy shit. He turned towards CJ. You see something you like? CJ picked up a retro sneaker. These? he suggested. Fly Boogie nodded while distractedly texting in his phone. He'll take everything on that wall. Measure his shoe and bag us up. CJ thought Fly Boogie was the coolest dude he knew. He wasn't old like his father or uncles. Uncles? Plural? Yeah, I guess, because, yeah, okay. So there's money, and then there's a snitch. So, okay. Yeah, that works. He didn't walk around in suits and shiny shoes. Fly Boogie's youthful appearance and casual swag made him more relatable to CJ. Fly turned around and noticed a police officer approaching his car. He walked outside. Yo, officer, that's me, Fly Boogie said. Is there a problem? You got some ID? The officer asked. Fly Boogie frowned. He wanted to ask why he needed identification, but considering what he had in the car, he wasn't going to cause a scene. I'm getting ready to reach in my back pocket for my wallet, Fly informed him, not wanting to give this officer any reason to pop off. In his eyes, all cops were the enemy, and the LAPD was the dirtiest gang in the game. He moved more carefully around them than around the goons he sold to. He pulled out his license and passed it to the officer. I'll be right back, the officer said, retreating to his car. CJ and the sales girl came out of the store carrying several bags filled with shoes. CJ went for the car, but Fly Boogie placed a hand on his chest, holding him back. Hold up, CJ, he said, now wishing he had just dropped the kid off at school. Things could be real bad if the officer came back with a hostile agenda. The officer took his time running Fly's plates and checking his name, but Fly didn't budge. For 20 minutes, he stood on the curb unmoved, because he knew the cop wanted to rise a reaction out of him. It didn't matter to Fly Boogie. He would play the waiting game all day, 
He wasn't like most hood dudes who reacted first and thought later. He would remain compliant if that meant he would leave with his life and without his hands in silver cuffs. The officer came back over and reluctantly gave him his license back. Move the car. This isn't a parking spot, he grumbled before retreating back to the squad car. Fly hustled CJ into the car and hurriedly pulled away from the block. He wasn't even two blocks away before CJ said, Fly, the police are behind us again. Shit, Fly said. He peered in his rear view. The cop had let him go only to call in another patrol to have him harass again. He wanted to peel off, but with me and more son beside him, he decided to play it cool. Reach in the back seat, CJ. Grab the book bag. Put the gun inside, he said as he pulled another burner off his waistline, passing it to CJ. This nigga gonna have CJ take the bag with him in a school. Put that one in there too, and put it on your back. CJ hurriedly did as he was told. Fly Boogie pulled over. A coal-sized lump formed in his throat as he gripped the steering wheel nervously. Just be cool, he said, speaking more to himself than to CJ. The officer got out of the car, and Fly could tell by the way he gripped the pistol on his hip that this wasn't a routine stop. I need to see your hands, the cop shouted as he approached the car. He pulled his gun, and Fly Boogie stuck both of his hands out of his window. The passenger, too. He's an eight-year-old kid, Fly Boogie yelled back. Out of the vehicle, the officer said, pulling open the driver's side door. Fly Boogie stepped out as the officer roughly slammed him against the car. CJ wasn't sure what he should do. A crowd began to form as the officer roughhouse fly boogie in broad daylight. What you got on you, huh? Drugs? Is there anything in the car I should know about? The officer asked as he frisked fly boogie. We're going to find out fly boogie got some sort of stupid ass name like Stanton. Something like that. Fly boogie gave him the grim face and didn't respond. He simply stared straight ahead as he was shaking down. CJ eased out of the car with the book bag on his back and assimilated into the growing crowd. The officer noticed and yelled, Kid, back in the car, now! He twisted Fly Boogie's arms behind his back and slammed him onto the hood of the car. The cuffs were so tight on his wrists that they cut into his skin like razors. CJ watched on in horror. He took a step back into the crowd. Hey, kid! The cop started towards CJ and Fly Boogie rose up fighting against the officer's force to create a distraction. Why? Why is any of this happening? Ugh. CJ took off down the block, running full speed. His heart pumped, and adrenaline coursed through him as he cut through the bodega. Where the fuck is there a bodega in L.A.? He was running with so much speed that he knocked over a display. Hey, the store clerk shouted, but CJ was already out the back door. He never looked back to see that he had already shaken the officer. He ran down the alley and came out on the next street. He spotted a bus up ahead. By the time he made it, he was out of breath. He pulled out a pocket full of money. His hands were so shaky, he could barely thumb through the bills the fly had given him. The bus driver frowned in concern. This is the wrong side of town to be pulling out so much money, the older black gentleman said. You in some kind of trouble? No. I'm just trying to get to school, CJ lied as he stuffed the bills in his jean pocket and then held out a hundred dollar bill. Keep it, kid, the man said. He pointed directly to the seat behind him. You have a seat right here. What's the name of your school? Brookdale Academy, he answered. I'll make sure you get there, the man said. CJ sighed in relief as he held onto the book bag for dear life. 
He had been so terrified that he had to blink away his tears. He had no idea what was going to happen to Fly Boogie. He wanted to call his mother, but if he did, she would know that he had ditched school, so instead he went to school. He would meet her outside afterwards like it was just an ordinary day. The only problem was, it wasn't, and he had a bag full of pills and guns that he didn't know what to do with. The driver finished his route, letting all his passengers off until only CJ remained. It was the first time that CJ had been to this neighborhood. The graffiti, the seedy characters, the old school cars and loud music, it all intrigued him. Coming up as a son in the cartel, he only knew about the wealth. He hadn't witnessed the come up, but riding through the hood made him wish he was from the other side. He had no idea that the people trapped in the struggle yearned for the life he had. Me and Moore and Carter had sold their souls to make sure he didn't live the hard knock life. And here he was craving a piece of it. The bus driver turned off the service light and then made the hike all the way to the Baldwin Hills where the bougie school was located. CJ got off at the corner. Thanks, he said as he passed the old man a hundred dollar bill and then rushed off. CJ headed into school. What he didn't realize was that his new school had a no loitering policy and his presence in the hallways midday made him stand out. The principal spotted him as soon as he stepped inside. Mr. Jones, you're late on your very first day. CJ's eyes widened as he stopped walking mid-step. I'm Mr. Simpson, headmaster here, he introduced himself. He held out his hand for the young boy. CJ reluctantly shook it as he grasped the straps to the book bag. Let's get you to class. I'll show you where your locker is. We don't allow book bags to be carried during school hours. You can keep it in your locker and carry your books to class, he informed him. CJ nodded and nervously let Mr. Simpson lead him to his locker. He held out his hand. Book bag? Mr. Simpson asked. He reached to take the book bag off CJ's back. CJ snatched it away, shrugging him off hard. I got it, CJ said. The principal frowned, but didn't press the young man. They located his locker. You could pick up a lock from the main office after school. For now, your belongings should be okay without one. I need a lock. CJ pushed as he slid his shoulders out of his strap. I assure you, Mr. Simpson said, no one will go into your locker. We have a zero tolerance policy for theft. He reached down and grabbed the book bag from CJ, who snatched it out of his hand. This time, the principal didn't let go. CJ, let go of the book bag. I just need a lock, CJ said urgently. He pulled on it, trying to get it out of the principal's grasp, causing the zipper to break. The guns and pills spilled all over the floor. Mr. Simpson looked at the contents in shock and quickly apprehended CJ. Step back. Over there. Sit down on the floor, he said sternly. Tears welled in CJ's eyes and he gritted his teeth, but he did as he was told. He knew he was in trouble, and as he watched school security arrive on the scene, he lowered his head, afraid of the consequences to come. Such fuck. Ugh. Such fuckery, such bullshit. Chapter 14 Where's my son? Moore asked the officer sitting at the reception desk inside the precinct. I've been waiting here for two hours. Where is he? Her patience was non-existent and anger burned in her eyes. He's being processed, miss, the officer said. When I have more information, I'll provide you with it. Until then, sit down. I guess eight-year-olds would be arrested in L.A. for having drugs and guns in their backpack, I guess. They'd actually get processed, I guess. 
an eight-year-old? I don't know. I, 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 I'm only saying I guess because LAPD, but Baldwin Hills, but, you know, I guess. I don't know. I'm not even going to overthink it. Mia Moore's temper was threatening to boil over, and she had to remind herself that she was standing in the middle of a police precinct. Listen, you fat, bald, incompetent Mia Moore. Mia Moore turned around to see Carter standing behind her with this legal bulldog, Shitburger, beside him. How the fuck did he get there from Florida? How did he find out? What? Carter was clean and dapper as ever in his Tom Ford suit. The beard was gone, and the sadness that had filled his eyes had been replaced by a look of anger. He stood before her strong, shoulders squared, and with an expression that said he wasn't beat for the bullshit. She hadn't seen this version of him in years. He had been hauled up in the mountains for so long that she had hardly recognized him before. But this powerful man in front of her was the Carter she knew. Everything about him signified power. The look of anger that burned in his eyes told her that he would handle this. His presence brought her instant relief. Thank God, she whispered as she walked over to him. Don't worry, I'll have CJ out of here within the hour, Shitburger said as he left the two standing alone in the lobby to talk. What happened? Carter asked. Mia Moore was so flustered that all she could do was shake her head. I don't know. Fly dropped him off at school this morning and the next thing I know, I'm getting calls that he's been arrested and that there were drugs and guns in his book bag, she said. Where that nigga at? Carter asked. He wanted to gather all the information before he reacted. He could easily piece the day's events together on his own, but he didn't jump to conclusions. He wasn't the assuming type. He would rather hear the facts so we could handle things accordingly. I've been calling him all day. I don't know, Mia Moore admitted. Go home, Carter instructed. I'll get CJ and bring him to you. I want to stay, she said. I said I'll handle it, Carter assured her. His word was law. Even after all this time, when he spoke, she listened. Didn't listen when he was in the bedroom saying that he was drugged, but he didn't say he was drugged, so that's how y'all got out of that. But, yeah. So she didn't always listen, but I know, I know, hyperbole. She left the station with the utmost confidence that Carter would get their son out of the sticky predicament. When Mia Moore was out of sight, Carter walked up to the same officer at the front reception desk. How are you? he asked. What can I help you with, sir? The officer asked without looking up from the computer screen he was working on. Carter handed the officer his identification. Run that name through your system, he said. The officer frowned. Have a seat, sir. The no-nonsense tone of the officer told Carter that the man had little patience. He was too tired, had worked long hours, and was underpaid. He wasn't going above and beyond for the badge. He was just there for a paycheck. Carter leaned over the counter and lowered his tone. You want to know exactly who you're talking to before you open your mouth, Carter said. The officer wanted to beat his chest and stand behind the authority in his badge, but something told him the man in front of him should be taken seriously. He snatched the driver's license off the counter reluctantly and typed the name into the computer database. Carter's entire rap sheet came up. Even crimes he hadn't been convicted of lit up the screen. Murder, drug trafficking, intent to distribute, head of a criminal enterprise, illegal firearms. Everything that the feds wished they could stick to him illuminated the screen in front of the man. Don't fuck with me, Carter stated as he stared at him maliciously without blinking.
And the woman who just walked out of here, next time you show her more respect. I want my son in my presence in the next 10 minutes or you're going to have a problem, Officer Jensen, he said, reading his name tag. So this right here is what I call porn. Porn. Author's fantasy. You know, what I wish I could say to a cop. I wish a bitch-ass cop would come up to me and say that they did this. I wish a goober-ass cop would come up to me and be all up in my face, ignoring me, doing their job and shit. I'd be like, huh, you ain't gonna ignore me, Officer Jensen. You better look at my rap sheet that I'm still out here for and could probably be arrested for. You better look at my rap sheet. You better respect me because of my rap sheet, Officer Jensen. That's what I tell him, baby. That's what I say. Pat, pat, pass, pass, pass the salt, please. The man's skin turned beet red from sheer intimidation. Carter didn't even blink until the cop lowered his head in submission. Carter turned on his Prada loafers and walked over to the waiting area. Pussy, he mumbled. See, porn. Before he could even sit down, Shitburger was walking out with CJ. The boy ran over to his father, hugging him. Carter could see the dry tears on his face and the terrified look in his eyes. This is bad, Carter. I have lunch with the prosecuting attorney tomorrow. I'll find out how much it's going to cost to make this thing go away. He had two handguns and a shitload of pills in his backpack, Shitburger revealed. Take care of it, Carter stated. He looked down at CJ. You know we gotta talk, right? Yes, sir, CJ answered. Carter grabbed his son by the back of his neck gently, but sternly, as he guided him out of the precinct. He didn't speak until they were in the car. Disappointment filled him. He had never even felt this type of letdown before. What the fuck is he doing in L.A.? It was a different kind of feeling. He had done so many bad things in his lifetime that he had lost count. But to witness his son going down a path of destruction broke his heart. He was silent partly because he didn't know what to say. I'm trying real hard to keep my anger under control right now, CJ. I provide the very best for you. I've done certain things so you won't have to. I've lived a certain lifestyle that I never want you to emulate. I want you to know that as long as you tell me the truth, you'll never get in trouble. That's a lie. I'll never punish you as long as you keep it straight up with me. You understand? Carter asked. CJ nodded. Nah, you a man. Nigga, he's eight. You don't answer me with no head nod. Now I'm going to ask you again. Do you understand? Carter reiterated. Yes, sir, CJ replied. Now what happened? Where did the drugs and guns come from? I think I have an idea, but I want you to tell me, Carter said sternly as they pulled away from the police station. CJ was quiet as he thought about lying to Carter. He didn't want to say anything to get Fly Boogie in trouble. I'm not a snitch, CJ said as he looked out the window. So whatever punishment you give me, I'll take. Carter didn't know if he should be livid or proud. I respect that, Carter said. He didn't need CJ to allow the story anyway. The moment his attorney had said CJ was caught with pills in his book bag, Carter knew who was to blame. Fly Boogie. Drugs aren't cool, CJ. Guns are dangerous. They don't make you tough. Pulling the trigger is one of the most cowardly things you can do. That takes no thought. No strength. It's stupid. 
I do it all the time, but you know, that's me. And Money did it all the time. And Mecca, dude, Mecca was like, blah, blah, blah. So we was all cowards back then, right? And look, your mama, your mama, she cut off a nigga's dick and then didn't turn coward. Like she cut off his dick and was just like, la di da. And she just blah, blah, blah. Everybody, like everybody got blah, blah, blah. So we're all cowards and we want you to be better than us. And don't do drugs. You're my son. You're a future king. No son of mine will use drugs or sell drugs, ever. I wasn't, CJ said in a low tone. He looked over at Carter. Why can't I have a gun if you carry one? Carter sighed because he knew that one day he would have to answer for the things he had done. I know how and when to shoot a gun, CJ. I know the responsibility that comes with carrying one. When you're old enough, I'll teach you how to handle a gun and who to and not to aim one at. But that's not for you right now. I don't need you running around L.A. playing cowboy. I want you to enjoy being a kid. You have the rest of your life to be a man. You only have a few short years to enjoy your childhood. You understand? Carter asked. C.J. nodded. Yes, sir. Carter reached over and pulled his son's head across the seat, kissing the top of it. I wish I didn't have to carry a gun, C.J. I wish I was the type of man who led the type of lifestyle that didn't require protection. I wish I had the luxury to live by the letter of the law instead of going against it. You can grow up to be that type of man. You're supposed to be better than me. They were silent the entire ride home. Carter had thought he had a few more years before the allure of the street began to entice his son. It was happening too early, and it was heartbreaking. Carter didn't want CJ following in his footsteps. He wanted the streets to be a mystery to his son. His hustle wasn't something he wanted to pass down to his son. Carter knew exactly who had caused this to happen. Fly Boogie was the only person he had words for at the moment. When Carter pulled up to Mia Moore's home, he could hear an argument brewing on the inside. What the fuck were you thinking? Give my son your shit to hold, Mia Moore screamed. She was so loud her voice carried all through the stillness of the suburban neighborhood. You think I meant for this to happen? The cops were fucking with me. I was just trying to show him the hood, Fly argued back. I sat in the fucking bullpen for hours. I ain't feeling this noise right now. All this fucking yapping. It was a mistake. I fucked up. Damn. CJ looked down at his feet. They never argue. They're arguing because of me, he said, feeling guilty. Carter shook his head. They're arguing because Fly Boogie made some bad decisions today. This isn't on you, little man, Carter replied. He tried the door. Finding it unlocked, he walked inside. His presence caused an instant awkward silence to fill the room. Niggas don't knock no more? Fly Boogie asked, he mean mug Carter, who scoffed in dismissal. Oh, baby boy, come here, Mia Moore said, sighing in relief as she rushed to CJ's side. Go put him to bed, Carter said to Mia Moore as if he had just walked into his own house and not that of another man. Carter... Mia Moore said, knowing that leaving the two men in the same room alone was not a good idea. Not after tonight. When the fuck did it get to tonight? Wait, what? So they arrested CJ in the, like, midday? I guess, noon? Wait. Okay, they don't say what time he got arrested, but they do say that, you know, he was dropped off at his school, and the headmaster was waiting for him because of no loitering policy, and knew him by name, so I'm thinking it was like, nine when he got to school maybe 10 so then he immediately got to school when he got to school he immediately got 
hemmed up because of the book bag incident. Like as soon as he stepped into school, grand opening, grand closing, the niggas expelled. Um, got hemmed up. Cops got called. Cops came to get him because this is a good school that probably took like ten minutes. Cops drove him to prison, processed him. They got there while he was being processed. They said that it took two hours. Mia Moore said that she was waiting for two hours while he was being processed. Like, why is he being processed for two hours? But even then, that's 11 o'clock. What time do shops open? Like, most shoe stores don't open until like 10 11 o'clock in the morning, I would think. What the fuck kind of a universe is this shit? Like, how are you driving into school and you like, you know what? Because he did stop off to get the pills and everything and they drove to Compton and all that shit. So, I don't know. I still don't see it as being night. I can see it as like five or, yeah, I guess that is night. Five or six o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Carter nodded his head, signaling for her to remove their son, and she reluctantly walked out, steering CJ up the stairs to his bedroom. You asked my son to hold your drugs? A hundred thousand dollars worth of pills in an eight-year-old school book bag? You put guns in his hands. You got him out here skipping school. I can hear in his voice that you got him thinking this shit is cool. I'm trying to think of one reason why I shouldn't put you in the dirt, Carter said in a low tone, Hands in the pockets of his designer slacks as he walked around the living room, admiring the art that hung on the walls. This ain't Nevada, and it sure ain't Miami, my nigga. L.A.'s my city. You can't bury me in my own backyard, Fly shot back, mugging Carter. He had tried to take him out the game before, but Carter seemed to have nine lives. Unbeknownst to Carter, he was standing in the room with the man who had shot him. There was larceny in the air. He had no idea the lengths to which Fly Boogie would go to get him out of Mia Moore's life. Let's be clear, little nigga. The only reason I haven't stepped to you yet is because you brought my son back home. That don't give you unlimited passes with me. You want to be me, nigga? You fucking my bitch. Trying to play a part for my son. You in these streets trying to build yourself your own empire just like me. So move like me, you unoriginal ass motherfucker. That woman and that little boy upstairs are my family. They will always be my family. I protected them at all costs. That protection was lacking when it came to the Saudis. You wasn't protecting shit. You couldn't stop shit. Baraka took your son and exiled your bitch until I made that shit disappear. Fly Boogie stated arrogantly. Carter stepped towards Fly Boogie until they were standing toe to toe. You begging me to tag your toes. You better tread lightly, Carter said in a serious tone. Let me be clear. If you ever put my son in jeopardy again, I will kill you. Carter, me and Moore stood at the top of the steps looking down at the ego battle between the two men. He looked up at her. It's been a long day. Maybe you should go. Carter looked back at Fly Boogie. We gonna finish this, he said. Indeed, Fly Boogie replied arrogantly as Carter headed for the door. Watching him swagger out made me and Moore's stomach clench. God knew she just wanted to be with him, but their time had passed. There was no point in forcing something that he had so clearly claimed to not want. As she watched Carter, Fly Boogie watched her, and he was livid. No matter how much he was there for her, how much love he gave, how much work he put into being her man, 
she would never look at him with the longing she reserved for Carter. She had a godlike complex when it came to Carter. And Fly Boogie, although a suitable replacement, would never quite measure up. In matters of the heart, you can't compete where you don't compare. Fly Boogie and Carter weren't even in the same league. You know how to find me, Carter said as he turned to look at her. I'll be by in the morning to pick CJ up. She nodded, and as he walked out the door, her heart sank into her stomach. Mia Moore came down the steps. These were the type of problems she didn't know how to fix. The tension that was building between Fly Boogie and Carter would eventually lead to disaster. She didn't know how to remedy that, and she didn't know whose side to pick. Her son was in trouble. Her man was jealous of her ex, and she had no idea how to make him feel secure. Carter hated her for things that she could not change. Those were grown woman problems. She wished that it was something that a bullet could solve. That's where her expertise lay, in the streets. This new level of grown woman responsibilities overwhelmed her in a way that she had never experienced before. You need to remember who the fuck here with you every day holding down shit on a regular. The least you could do is hide the fucking stars in your eyes, Fly Boogie said in a low, menacing tone as he stood directly in her face. That nigga ain't the only nigga getting money. He ain't the only nigga with muscle. He don't got the juice no more. They say he ain't go the juice, but he ain't got the juice no more. That's me. It's my time, but you too busy living in the past with that motherfucker to see that I'm trying. Got that nigga coming in my shit disrespecting me. You lucky I don't slap the shit out of you. Mia Moore was taken aback by his aggression. She snaked her neck because she knew that he had to have bumped his head. You need to remember who you talking to. I'm going to walk away from you right now because things can get ugly between us real quick. I don't do this arguing thing. So if you can't control your jealousy and check this temper... Fly Boogie put his hand around Mia Moore's neck, stopping her mid-sentence. He pressed her against the wall hard as he pushed his body into her. I'm not done talking, he said through clenched teeth. I'm not done talking. I'm not done talking. I know who you are, but remember, you're not a nigga, Mia Moore. You're only tough with a pistol in your hands, Ma. I'm all man. You can't overpower me, he said as she pushed against him, struggling to get him off of her. I'm all man. That means I can abuse you. I'm all man. That means I can put hands on you. I'm all man. You can't hurt me without a gun. I'm all man. You know what? Let's try this. I'm all man. So I'm going to walk away from this situation. I'm all man. I, I I don't like where this is going. I'm all man. I recognize from the gate that y'all still got feelings for one another. I tried to shoot the nigga. He came back. You know what? I'm good. I'm all man. I'm not going to abuse you or harm you. But instead, we still have this toxic reality where people literally think I'm all man means I have to show force. Instead of I have to show leniency, I have to show mercy, I have to, under I have to show understanding, I have to show compassion, I have to show empathy. I don't get where y'all get the difference in I'm all man. I'm all man. And I'll talk big shit and I'll back it all up. But I'm not going to harm a woman. I'm not going to intimidate a woman. I'm not going to make a woman feel outside of their place. I'm not going to make a woman feel less than. But in these books, all bets are off. Because they're all men. And they're all men means that they can go from being calm and loving with women to hating them in a millisecond. And the only one who doesn't, 
Nope, because Carter did it too. But that was in Mia Moore's dream sequence, I think, when he threw her out the hotel back when she was in the coma. So Carter's never done it. <sighs> Ain't no pistols in sight. I did everything for you. I murdered Baraka for you. I saved your fucking son and came to get you from that crazy nigga murder. Murder shot himself for what it's worth. I knew you wouldn't let that cartel shit go. Carter got you wrapped around his fucking finger. He cheated on you and then left you to die at Baraka's hands. I saved you. I came back for you. I put a hole in that nigga's chest and he didn't die. I should have put one in his head. Next time, I won't miss. Fly Boogie threatened as he curled his fingers in a pretend gun and placed him against her forehead point blank range. Why the fuck would you? You know what I never understood? The shows like, and I, and, and I got homies who got shows where they do Law and Order, SVU, um, and I listen to their show, and I'm like, I don't understand these 30-minute cop shows, these hour-long cop shows. The one thing I did like about Law and Order was that sometimes the niggas would get away. It didn't happen that often, but when it did, it was fucking sweet, but... I never understand these 30-minute cop shows that come on like ABC and shit like that, where for no fucking reason, somebody will just confess to everything. Inexplicably. They'll just confess. Like, um, we brought you in today because we got these outlines of a tread of Nike that were next to the body. And we couldn't help but notice that when we looked at surveil surveillance video of a nightclub six days later, you're wearing a Versace suit. Yeah, I, I, I got Nikes and that nigga had it coming because he was, uh, he, he, he stole my money and then wouldn't give it back to me. And I asked him for it and we struggled and I pushed him down a flight of stairs and he fell in the bullets. Like, this is where we're at right now. Why are you confessing this? Just shut the fuck up. Mia Moore's eyes widened in shock as Fly Boogie revealed the truth to her. He shot Carter, she thought with a gasp. You shot him? All this time it was you? You fucking bastard. He fed you. Mia Moore whispered in a sharp tone as her temper erupted. Don't look surprised, ma. I'll get rid of anyone who stops me from fucking with you. You didn't kill murder. He shot himself. So when I say control those fucking googly eyes, you should check that. I don't want to have to make CJ a fatherless child. You're either with me or you're with him. You can't have both, Fly Boogie said. This revelation turned all the affection she felt for Fly Boogie into contempt. Mia Moore had assumed that it had been Baraka who had gunned Carter down in front of the casino years ago. But now she had been smacked with the truth. She had been the cause of that, and ever since, she had been unknowingly sleeping with the enemy. Mama? CJ called from the top of the steps. Fly Boogie immediately loosened his hold on her neck, but he didn't move. He had her cornered against the wall. Go upstairs, CJ, Mia Moore said. But Ma, he protested. Now, Mia Moore roared. Mia Moore wasn't the chick to tolerate this change in temperament from Fly Boogie. There wasn't anything to think about. On Carter's worst day, Fly Boogie didn't measure up. She liked him. He had helped her get her head right when everyone else in the world had thrown her away. But she couldn't turn a blind eye to the fact that he had shot Carter. Despite everything, Carter would always be the man she loved. She wasn't doing this hell in the Troy shit. She didn't want to be the woman in the middle. 
There was no middle. She would always be aligned on Carter's side. I choose him, Mia Moore said. She had Butterfly Boogie with all her might, causing stars to appear before her eyes. Ah! He shouted in pain as he grabbed the bridge of his bleeding nose. Mia Moore stumbled to the kitchen and reached under the sink, pulling out a 9mm pistol. She could never truly leave her past behind her. She had to have guns placed strategically around the house just to feel safe, and today she was grateful for the habit. Revenge was on her mind. Anger pulsed through her. Perhaps she had played the wifey role for too long. Clearly, Fly had forgotten how she got down. This was what she did. Committing murder was like riding a bike for her. She would never forget how to do it. What the fuck, Mia Moore? Damn, Fly Boogie said, using hushed tones. You gonna shoot me? Over a nigga who set you out for the wolves? He aimed at her. You pull that trigger, Ma, and CJ's gonna hear the shot. You're gonna destroy his entire world. He don't deserve that. He's already been through enough. Now you want to witness some bodies in the place where he lays his head? Nigga, this is your house. I just want to point that out. Do you look under your cabinets? She moved in and immediately started stashing guns everywhere. And you don't wash dishes because the palm olive is usually underneath the sink. I'm not saying just palm olive. Some of y'all niggas may use other stuff. You may use Ajax. I'm not judging you on what you use. But palm olive is pretty dope. It's, you know, it's, it, it cuts through the oil. Cuts through. It's pretty dope. You don't look. What about, you know, in the in the cabinet where you uh, keep the toilet paper, the pantry? You Did you look there for the gun? It's right behind the feminine products. Never looked there, do you? Or, 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 um, the one that's uh, in your sock drawer. Do you look? Because you'd be wearing uh, loafers without shoot, without socks and shit. Oh no, I just, I never liked Fly Boogie anyway. Not since he, I found this shit out, but now I, you know, never mind. Mia Moore curled her finger around the trigger. You know, if you don't shoot him, now he knows you wanted to shoot him. And now you're in a situation like you were with murder. So, but I, CJ's going to end up shooting him. So it doesn't really matter. She wanted to dead him where he stood, but he was right. CJ would hear it. And once witnessed, murder was something one never forgot. He had already had his childhood taken away after witnessing Lena's death. Mia Moore wouldn't let that happen again. She placed a gun on the counter, but never took her hand off it. Fuck! Fly Boogie grimaced as he snatched a paper towel off the counter and nursed his face. You ain't gotta go for broke, ma. Damn, headbutting me and shit. We could fix this. All the shit I done for you, it ain't good for nothing, he asked. I think you broke my shit, he grimaced. Mia Moore lowered her head, conflicted. It counts. It could have meant a lot, Fly. You could have gotten to my heart without shooting Carter. He taught you the game. Him, Zaire, Monroe. They all brought you in and you put a bullet in his chest, Mia Moore said with tears forming in her eyes. That bullet had changed the course of Carter's life. He hasn't been the same since, she whispered. All because you wanted to what? Fuck me? Be with me? You could have killed him. The more she spoke, the more she realized how she was to blame. She had allowed Fly Boogie to get close to her. She had even flirted with him, enjoying the attention that he gave her. She had strung him along way before he ever got his shot with her, and it had led to this, to deception and disloyalty. Maybe Carter was right. Nothing good comes from loving me, she thought. Mia Moore opened the kitchen drawer and she began searching for something. 
He don't deserve you, me and more. I love you. All of this was for us. You just have to let that nigga go. Ride for me, ma. Nobody knows what I did but me and you. It doesn't have to go any further than these walls, Fly Boogie tried to convince. You're not his girl anymore. You owe me. You're right. I would never let CJ hear gunshots thundering through his home, she said. If Carter was any other nigga, maybe I would be thanking you, but he's not. Everything you did after shooting him means nothing anymore. Because you brought my son back to me, I'm going to do you a favor and make this quick. You should be thanking me. Because if I told Carter, it would be much worse. Fly Boogie's eyes widened when she pulled a silencer out of the drawer. Nigga, do you check your shit? Literally. <laughs> Getting myself a butter knife. Why the fuck is there a silencer in the silverware drawer? Nigga, this is why y'all shouldn't have junk drawers in the kitchen. That's all I'm going to say. Like, you got a junk drawer in your kitchen. You don't realize when you got a fucking silencer sitting in it. She opened a drawer, my nigga. She didn't open a cabinet. She didn't open anything else. She opened a drawer. She opened a kitchen drawer and started searching for something. What the fuck are you doing in your house? That's what you get. Fly Boogie's eyes widened when she pulled a silencer out of the drawer and screwed it onto the barrel of the gun. Fly Boogie lunged for her, but before he could get too close, she let loose. One bullet was all it took to leave him slumped on the kitchen floor. Miyamore grabbed her handbag and car keys, then rushed up to CJ's room. Come on, baby boy, let's go, she said as she hustled him out of bed. Where are we going? he asked, confused as she led him towards the back of the house and out the back door. We're going to see your dad. He wants you to stay with him tonight, she said as they got into the car and sped off into the night. Well, that's one down. Now Sam's going to die somehow because Zaire's going to have a change of heart and tell whatever. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Leave a review on Spotify. All you got to do is uh, go to the main page of the show and right underneath the title, there's a um, button that you can push that says five stars. Uh, go ahead and push that and then leave five stars. It's that simple. Um, you can also leave a review on Podchaser. Uh, copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts and then copy and paste that into Good Pods. Uh, thank you all to everybody who's been checking me out. I greatly do appreciate it. Uh, be sure to share the first episode of the season with your friends. Um, not this episode, because, you know, they wouldn't know what the fuck was going on. They'd be amused, but they'd be like, the fuck is this? And then they'd have to go back. And you don't want to enter a movie halfway through. Matter of fact, just give them the first episode of the very first cartel series season. Um, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, uh, or on the good pods app, you can, um, go to the tip jar that's on the app. Thank y'all again for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going at you later. Peace. Unless otherwise indicated ratchet book club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised.